What's up? You're listening to the Scholarly Spark podcast. Here's your chance to finally become interested in learning and find out what you're genuinely curious about. Join me as we discover the secrets of South Asia and experience different foods, the latest technologies, immerse ourselves in a variety of phenomenal cultures, find out about interesting people we never knew existed, and learn about what no one else dared to find out. I'm Kamal Narayanan, taking you on a journey through the mysteries of South Asia, all from the convenience of your headphones. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today on the show, we have a very, very, very special guest. His name is Dr. Mark Gilbert. If you guys don't know him, Dr. Mark Gilbert has an extremely stacked resume. He is the professor of history and the National Endowment for the Humanities supported chair in world history at Hawaii Pacific University. In addition, he is the editor of World History Connected, a premier and well-respected journal about history. He currently teaches at Hawaii Pacific University, and he has gotten his PhD from UCLA. So, Dr. Gilbert, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So, I was wondering, you started a whole organization, the World History Association. How did, how did that come about? Well, that's a rather wonderful story. That uh, uh, There are various uh, versions, but my favorite mm-hmm. is the American Historical Association uh, wanted to find uh, a group of uh, broad historians uh, who could be sent to Cameroon, mm-hmm. and which is a kind of Africa in miniature, according to the sponsors of this uh, trip, which mm-hmm. is a former ambassador to Cameroon named uh, Exxon, who was the executive director of the uh, uh, the American Historical Association. Uh, so they'd send out these generalists to Cameroon, and uh, they would see African miniature, and in the process, that uh, that group would come back and be able to uh, write and workshop uh, teachers so they could do a better job teaching African history. And uh, one of the group was an African historian. The rest were drawn from all sorts of programs that and, and interests uh, that carried them beyond the uh, silo of a single specialization. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be one of those people. And uh, when we came back, we made a report at the American Historical Association meeting. And there, uh, two historians, Kevin Riley and uh, Ross Dunn, uh, proposed the creation of, and who were, uh, uh, Kevin Riley was a member of that group, proposed that uh, there should be a World History Association. Uh, the Air Force was so embarrassed by losing the Vietnam War, kind of like Herman Goering mm-hmm. saying that the Air Force could win the war by itself, that they ponied up money to uh, have the first meeting of that association at the Air Force Academy. And it was extraordinarily successful, and it attracted uh, uh, a wide variety of people, although there's always attempts to identify it with someone like uh, Emmanuel Wallerstein or William McNeil, and those people are beloved. Uh, in terms of world history, but it has it's it's charting its own it has always charted its own course, uh, trying to do two things, which is uh, uh, deepen research uh, in what we call uh, world history, mm-hmm. and the other to uh, develop teaching in it. So it's really the only historical association at that time in, in the eighties mm-hmm. uh, that actually had a dual purpose that included teaching. So there's no sneering at uh, high school teachers or right. K through 12 teachers who are, are uh, eager and, and, and ready to expand the horizon. That's, that's really nice to hear. So how, how did you get into kind of joining the mission to help uh, help 
educators teach properly, like teach, uh, become better at their job? Well, uh, you know, nobody is born, nobody, well, there are some people that are born as a teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, the rest of us, uh, many of us who go to uh, big universities like UCLA, yep. uh, we, we don't know what we're going to do maybe, but we know it's going to be rigorous. Uh, and we know it's going to be research-based. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, virtually all universities uh, over the last 30 years, uh, there's been an increasing attempt to train teachers out of their PhD students. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's really more recently. The rest of the time, it simply was, uh, you're a TA, go in and teach the class. Right. And uh, UCLA wasn't like that, uh, nor were my interests weren't uh, bent in that way, that kind of uh, arrogance uh, 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 of... Uh, you get a job and you, you publish and uh, that's what you do the rest of your life. Uh, the parody of that, by the way, is in Back to School, a Rodney Dangerfield film, where there, there is a, uh, the absolute stereotype of what most Americans think professors are, and, and many are. But the people who got into world history are right. people who are broadly interested, and that makes them humanists at a very high level. Mm -hmm. And and the... Uh, the uh, the thought of doing that your life, uh, all your life without actually not just connecting with students, but connecting with teachers who need help mm -hmm. doing what you're doing. If you have the resources as a university professor, yeah, yeah. you should be out there. Yeah. That's really, yeah, that's really good to hear. I, that would, that's a really noble cause and I really appreciate you for doing that. It's been really fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how would you define world history? What, what do you think in your opinion, what encompasses world history? Well, there's several levels uh, it, at, at the, the, the smallest, uh, not smallest, the less sophisticated level. It's simply making connections uh, between cultures, looking at the globe, not as divided into regions. Of course, we have myths of the continents for world destroying, so we don't really believe in them. Uh, but the idea, or even regions to some extent, uh, because of the cross-pollination that takes place uh, over long distances that don't have names at the time. Right. Uh, like India, for example, what is, what is that? Mm -hmm. So uh, at, the, at the lowest level, it's simply uh, trying to find similarities and differences uh, in, in larger patterns that are flowing across humanity. So mm -hmm. well, when, we, when we do workshops and things like that, we talk yeah. about some of them. You know, uh, for example, uh, trade uh, connects the world. War often occurs throughout the world. Gender right. is an issue. It's universal. Mm -hmm. uh, liter uh, well, epic literature for most of the world is important. So it can be as varied as you uh, want it to be. The real art of it, of course, and it is an art, all history is an art and a science, mm -hmm. is to be able to come up with clear, coherent, and co cohesive ways of kind of uh, understanding historical processes as more than simply locked in an old national model. And of course, the odd thing, and as I have gone through my life, what seems so in, in interesting is that in a world which is experiencing increased globalization, that is at a faster right. yes. than before, mm -hmm. you have the emergence of an area, area studies group yeah. actually yeah. reflecting that very bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes it's like you slap yourself in the head. Well, that's what I've been doing, of course, just <laughs> every other thing. Yeah. Yeah. So... I noticed you said history is an art and a science. How did you how did you come to that conclusion? That was really interesting. Well, I think it's always been uh, you know the humanities uh, are yeah. uh, 
uh, a mix of things. Uh, what, what's important is that to do world history, mm -hmm. uh, for example, to get a PhD uh, in South Asian uh, South Asian history, you have mm -hmm. to do at least four languages, right? Right. And and but you know that then you say, well, what is South Asia? Does it include Burma or Afghanistan? And on either side, those are two different languages. Uh, I mean, uh, it, Burma, it's, uh, there's some kind of uh, affinity uh, that Sanskrit was used, those kinds of things. But there are lots of uh, Indo-Chinese languages that have no, uh, the languages of Indochina or mainland Southeast Asia uh, have no connection. They have connections, but they don't have ling the linguistic connection. And then there's Afghanistan. But wait a minute, aren't there a lot of Afghans in northern India? Mm -hmm. This yeah. is what I mean by these regions. So we, 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 we pretend that there's a, a thing. Whereas in actual fact, it's very diverse. So uh, 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 the, 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 the real beauty of world history is being able to talk. Uh, to, uh, there was a, when, I was, uh, when I was at UCLA, one of the first things they asked me to do, I was uh, temporarily teaching for other faculty on leave mm -hmm. when I was getting my PhD and after. And yep. uh, there's, a, there's a very famous philosopher of history called Nagel, and, and he said, uh, uh, read, read, read until you can hear the people speak. Mm, wow. So that means your focus should be, and not just on the prime ministers, but grassroots too. Right. And you have to immerse yourself into it until you're like sitting in a theater with the people that you're studying. Now that's an act of imagination. And, and that's, that's, that's art. You know, when Braudel uh, looks at the Mediterranean and doesn't see uh, Europe or North Africa, but sees a continuum of exchange and and meaning, and it comes up uh, it comes up beautiful. Mm. And beauty is not uh, it, you know beauty is not science. Beauty is subjective. And yeah, yeah. Beauty, right. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting here. And I was really curious to because you said that there's a certain degree of imagination involved. How much of history would you say is, is imagining and how much you say is actually like learning hard facts? Well, I think what I meant by imagination is it's a tool you use. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. A tool you use to open your mind. Right. As opposed to a, a tool that you, uh, a bowl to be filled. Mm -hmm. right? so I, I think what... Uh, uh, the, the big problem we have, especially in South Asian history, is mm -hmm. what I call everything is contested. So there really isn't anything in, in, in South Asia that you can say without someone saying, well, that's not true. It's this instead of that. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're te teaching, uh, especially undergraduates, uh, how, can you, uh, how can you say what a fact is when it's, it's disputed in every case? And right. uh, when I was writing the book, South Asian World History, mm -hmm. yeah. the thing that struck me was uh, how do you look at the, you know, what's now called the in indigenous issue in ancient India? Uh, in other words, the Indo-European invasion, all those mm -hmm. kinds of things like that. Yeah. And I actually, the, the book had 10 pages on it, uh, but, but Oxford cut it down. They, they had a very strict word limit and they said, nope, we, we, we don't want it. You'll have to find some other way. And the some other way, I think, is the only way of looking at it, which is you have things in, in, in dispute, you examine the evidence as best as possible, but then your job comes to be, why is there such a dispute? Right. What are the underlying factors? What are the political and cultural issues at stake 
for the people who are making the arguments. So you don't get trapped into, well, you just teach all perspectives. Mm, so that's, not, that's yeah. not enough. There has to be something beneath that. So it's right. not just what people say to each other. It's been super fun learning with you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me. Join me next week as we explore another part of the vast, mysterious lands of South Asia. I'm looking forward to exploring something new that you've never heard about next week. Talk soon.